This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High Performance. Leadership. People think overwhelm, craziness, craziness. No time. No time. No fun. No fun. Just work, 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 work. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and leadership specialist. During the show, Monique and her guests will share the harsh truth behind their success stories, what it means to perform on a high level, and to be a leader in this world. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency on Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back to Efficiency on Demand, everyone. Today, I have a new guest. We didn't even get connected before, so I'm really, really excited to just dig into a story that I don't even know about. And we have a mutual friend, which is a really, really good, very, very um, lovely friend of mine whom we had on the podcast already. So go check it out. Episode number, I don't know, but it's Eddie Smith everything about Instagram, which also brings us kind of back to our guest today, whom name is, and I just practice it, you know my thing with those names, Loic Alex <laughs> Brown, and he's from London, I hope I didn't mess that. <laughs> Welcome no, to the you, show. You got, it, you got it right on. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> yeah, welcome Thank to the show. Much. Thank you for having time for us today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to, to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Well, as uh, our listeners know, the first thing we're going to do is please just introduce a little bit about who you are, where you are, what you do, and kind of why you're here. I mean, here on the show, not sure. on the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, my name's Loic, um, and uh, I'm half French, half English. I currently live in, in London, and I am the head of product of um, Flick.tech, which is a Instagram software that, that helps you find um, the right hashtags to use. And um, I'm here because over sort of like the last four years or close to five years now that I've sort of been working, so from sort of like the age of 16 in, in the social media space, I've always had to balance sort of studies and and uh, business which has been sort of very challenging in terms of sort of managing your time and being able to do that and so you know I thought um it'd be nice to to talk about that and uh, and uh, share share some some insights I might have um uh, around that absolutely so tell me a little about about you know where did you grow up you said you're french english so were you born in yeah. france were you born in london or how did you get from one to the other place? So I was I was actually born in, in London and I've never lived in France, but I did go to French school. So my whole education was French and my mum's French. And yeah, so I, was, uh, I went to French school from age well, three till 18. And then I went to a uh, English university after that. So I got, got exposed to both co cultures at the same time, I guess. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So... I know, so I just shared with you before we started recording what happened to me when I got first to London. So I know that London is an amazing place, but it can be a bit rough. What was your experience in childhood? Well, so it, my, I was very lucky to have sort of a very um, sort of close parents to me who, who did take very good care of me. So 
I wouldn't necessarily, or up until quite, up until I was like 16 or whatever, I wouldn't really be let out of the house like at night or to go party or anything. So I had quite a sheltered childhood in that sense. But I did start university when I was 17 for the first three three months. And at that point, it was sort of like going from very little sort of like uh, exposure to to going out and, and all that to to full on because I'm at university and, you know, I've not done it before. And and obviously <laughs> you, you, you live and you learn um, and uh, you make mistakes and uh, and uh, you learn from those mistakes. And and I think that that's probably, you know, when it comes to to that sort of thing, and especially in a big city like like London, um, when you're young, you're going to make mistakes when it comes to going out or um, trusting certain people or whatever, and 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 you'll just learn how to how to cope with those um, and how not to make them again. Hopefully, um, as you go. Yeah. yeah, I certainly partied a lot when I was younger, but I started a little bit earlier. I started when I was thirteen, so. <laughs> I kind of made, <laughs> I think I kind of made partying my job because I studied events management. So I was partying yeah. that much in those little spaces because I started working actually when I was 13 years old. And in those two hours that I could have slept, I was like, oh, why not just go dancing, you know? So I definitely know this live and learn experiences. So why did you decide to start working by the age of 16? You said you got into this digital till marketing kind of space yeah so um i personally just for me i've always not liked the idea of working for someone else and it it stems down to to the idea that if you're being paid a a salary whoever's paying you that salary is going to be earning more off your hard work than than you are uh, essentially because otherwise they wouldn't be paying you that salary and you wouldn't be um, an employee um, I, and I just didn't really like that idea at a young age. And and that was the same for like everything. Like it, it could be like video games or whatever. Um, there's like clans you can join and like groups you can join that are already established in video games to like play with them. I always like to, to start my own. And even if I make, even if I was less successful or, you know, the revenue was for myself was less, It w- I didn't really mind as long as it was my own. And so that at the age of 16, I had an idea I'm an electronic engineer, by the way, by training. Um, so nothing to do with digital marketing. But I had an idea to uh, to build sort of like this sort of drone that you can control with your hand movements. Um, and it was sort of just like a side project, just having a lot of fun. And I was like, well, you know what? While while I'm building it, I might as well sort of start an Instagram page and and try and get some organic traffic to to that. So that when it is ready, you know, I'm I may be able to 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 sell a few or whatever and. Uh, it was more like, as, as I said, like a real side project that I was just really enjoying. And um, <laughs> during the process, um, I actually got very good at at, at building an Instagram page um, organically. Um, and I had to do it because I was 16. I had no money for paid advertising if I ever did want to do that. So I had to get clever with how I could potentially reach the audience. And uh, yeah, got into digital marketing. And at one point, I was like, you know what? I'm very good at this. And I might I might as well just start... Um, start diving into this a bit more full-time and, and turn the, the drone project into it was partly a hobby and now it's fully a hobby that um you know I'm, i can work on when, when i have time i love so, yeah. that what do you think where does mindset come from because i feel like either you learn this consciously somewhere or you kind of see this happening around you and you just soak it up when you're small but a mindset like this to just not wanting to 
obey to the rules or to, you know, like to some authority figures. It's not very, very common. And I know that yeah. I ran against walls all the time with this mindset, which I had also since I was very small. But for me, it came because I was always more or less like bullied and told I can never do this whatever. And it kind of woke up this rebe rebel in me. And I was like, no, if you tell me I can't, I will do it for sure. You know, so this was my kind of yeah, like yeah. spark. So where it ca did it came from for you? It's a really interesting question. I think I think part of it was was school and just the general dynamic between myself and my friends, and we we always all used to like push each other quite hard and be harsh, very harsh with each other quite often, but but like in a nice way, you know, um, as like very close friends would do. But also, I think part of this um, sort of um, very sheltered childhood is like you have a lot of time to do you have a lot of time to do thinking when you're not out um when you're not out at, and there's also this idea of yeah you hear a lot of stories of where people where, where children are are very sort of sheltered at a young age um and, and up until maybe 15 16 they they become rebels and and they like re re rebelling uh, you know against their parents well for me that wasn't the case um i didn't really obviously was you know i wanted to, to go out and, and, and have fun but for me, the way I sort of rebelled with that was, and I think it wasn't sort of like in the normal way. It wouldn't be, oh, I'm going to disobey everything they say. It was, it was more, it was more. It fueled this idea of of wanting to do, you know, something where I'm not going to have to, not going to. I fully, you know, own it. Where I own it with my business partners, who, who I trust very much, and um, I don't have like any authoritative figure sort of uh, over me. And I think it's it stemmed from there. Um, but but to be completely honest, I'm not entirely sure. Um, all I know is that uh, I think I had the first thought, thoughts of, uh, of this um, and sort of always having ownership in what I do when I was maybe like 12 or 11 or 12 around, around that time. That's awesome. So for all of our listeners who are wondering now, like, okay, so you want to build this drone and you may be an electronic engineer, but you're also good of kind of like, do the social thing, but how do you get started? What did you do? Like, how am I going to build a drone? I don't know about anything about that. Unless <laughs> watching YouTube videos, probably. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of YouTube videos. Um, a lot of, you'd be surprised. There's some really detailed blog posts on how to build drones if you want to get started. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, just had the idea. Then the, ne the next day, um, just went, went on YouTube and, and, uh, did some research and then tried to figure out what was the what was the best solution for um for for building one and then and then just ordered ordered some parts um got a few friends involved ordered some parts and um yeah just just um bit by bit tried tried to to, to make it work and, and this was when i was 16 so i i'm an electronic engineer now or i'm about to graduate um in, in a month hopefully but um I knew nothing about it then. Um, I just knew that I enjoyed it and I enjoyed fiddling with wires and, and building things. So it was really sort of like diving into something I had no idea um, mm -hmm. how to do. And uh, it, w it was a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, it, it, was, it was very challenging and, and different to, to sort of the, the, the rest of, of what I would be doing on the day-to-day, -day, um, um, which was mainly a lot of schoolwork. The, the school I was at... Um, was quite um, pushy um, and there was just a lot of work. I remember having homework um, every evening for, you know, three hours after 
after finishing school at least. So it was quite a pushy school and uh, the standards were quite high um, and it just left. Um, I mean, it's nice, you know, for, for, for people who, 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 who want to be pushed that way. Um, but it's also, it doesn't leave much, much space for anything else. Mm. And sort of building that drone was like a creative outlet um, during, during school. Yeah. Is it working now? No, it's not working now. Um, I, I sort of haven't worked on it for the last couple of years. Um, part of sort of managing my time. I've, it's one of the things I've had to to let go for now. But it will work one day. I will. Um, I will also sort of get back to it probably after finishing my degree as sort of, sort of like a passion project. Yeah. Now that I do have the the knowledge I need to to right. build it and to uh, and to code everything that goes with it. Yeah, I'll be able to. Uh, I'll be able to return to it and get it working this time. Which is I nice. love it. So when you build the Instagram page for that drone, and and you started out, what were your thought processes about reaching more people? Because I think it's all about. I think on Instagram, it's a lot about like you know building this micro mini relationships and having just people excited enough to keep following you. Um, yeah. And I have obviously no idea how to do that. And <laughs> it's a it's a challenge for me to always, I mean, I put out content, which I think is amazing, but not many people agree with me probably. Um, or they just don't see me or they just don't find me or whatever. So walk me through the thought process. What, what you're, when you started out and you didn't have all of this resources available, what you were thinking, like, what should I be hashtagging? What should I be putting out? Where should I go to connect or whatever? Right. Yeah. So, so it's really interesting. Uh, this is the very start of obviously my, my digital marketing journey. So I had, for me, the, the, the key metric there was followers, which obviously, you know, it, it shouldn't be, um, you know, the key metric should be, you know, the amount of people you reach and, and how, and the quality of those people and how close you are to, to your audience. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. Um, for me, you know, it was all about followers. And I sort of like, obviously would do what anyone would do starting out um, who's serious about it, you know, um, YouTube videos, um, anything online, trying to soak up as much information as possible. And eventually, though, what I decided to do is uh, I studied um, a lot of similar accounts, trying to figure out, you know, why they were succeeding versus me. And I actually reached out to a lot of them. And one of them got back to me. One of them got back to me, who is now the owner of um, at Explorer on Instagram. So he's now he's now got um, 1.2 million followers on Instagram. Um, but when we first met, he had 40,000 uh, followers. And um, for me, you know, 40,000 was like, wow, like this guy knows exactly what he's doing. And, and so I, I reached out to him and I asked him if... Um, I asked him, you know, if he could help because he, he did consulting and obviously I, I can't pay for consulting. I'm still 16 and I have no revenue. So what I did is I, I was quite good um, at um, closing people. I, I guess that was one of my sort of like natural skills for like, not necessarily high ticket. I, I don't know really how to close high ticket, but for low sort of like lower ticket costs, I'm, I'm fairly, I was naturally, luckily good at, at sort of closing people so i said look i'll get you um a few clients if you sort of teach me everything you know and from that point onwards we we sort of actually got really close and he ended up being my first business partner so he taught me everything he knew but then it, it also got to a point where it was clear that he didn't know everything like everyone no one knows everything 
And so we saw, we set out to, to sort of discover what we didn't know together. And we ended up, and this was the first, the first thing I ever sold online. We ended up writing a sort of like, I think it was like a 180 page PDF book on Instagram and everything you need to know at the time. It's very outdated now, obviously. And that was the first thing that we, uh, I ever sold online. And, and this person was business partner um, for me for the next two years. And I'm um, still very close um, to this day. We, we still chat quite a bit. But I guess to, to come back to your question, I think well, what, what I did is I initially tried to solve it myself. And then, I, and then what I did is I went to find people who had already parted the answer. And um, again, I didn't, want to, I didn't want this relationship of, oh, I, I didn't want him to be my teacher uh, and I wanted me to be the student. But then past that, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be sort of like the client and I did everything I could for us to be, then become partners in something, which, which sort of goes <laughs> back to this idea of um, in a, if everything I do, I really do like having um, sort of uh, ownership in it. And, and I guess I hadn't even thought of, of this being one of those situations, but it turns out it, it was as well. <laughs> so, so yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I love it. So looking back what did you think was the uh what do you think like in your mindset would have been always the thing that maybe got you ahead of other people around you maybe faster or further because now you're having the business flick.tech and you have two business partners Two, what? yeah, two. Well, yeah, yeah. We have a, a larger team, but two, two, um, two co-founders. Yeah, right. And so, what do you think has been enabling you, probably in your mindset as well, to go faster and further with this company than other people around you? I mean, you're still studying, so you're about to graduate, and if you look around in your college, there may not be another one or five other people just like you. So what do you think is the difference between you and them? So, so obviously there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. There's a lot of hard work. But I think um, everyone, a lot of people around me work hard. And I think like hard work is definitely, you know, if you don't, if you don't work hard, you're not going to succeed. But I don't think that's necessarily a differentiating factor. I think um, I've been very lucky with the people I've met, my, my, my business partners, Are absolutely amazing and and they've um, really sort of helped me and supported me through sort of this process of being at, at university while while also trying to you know run a business with them and if that meant that you know they needed to do a, a bit of the things that I would normally do they would do it without you know without thinking and I think part of that is is really getting and developing really good people skills not not just myself but also all my business partners. And it's this idea of, you know, you're in this together and complete honesty between, between ourselves. So, you know, well, if someone's feeling not depressed, but, you know, down about something or really struggling with something, within a day or two days, everyone else, uh, the other two business partners will be told um, and will know exactly what's up. And that means we can provide support to each other. So I think the number one factor to not flick succeeding but to to me being able to do both flick and getting that to a point where it succeeds and university um, and graduating 
is this sort of support systems that I've built between my business partners and also other people close to me, which I've been very, very blessed with. And and there, and, and there's an element of they know that if they support me, I also support them, you know, when, when they need help. And I think any, you know, entrepreneur that doesn't cultivate these support systems and, and the, uh, and close relationships is going to have a much, much more difficult time sort of achieving success because it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it, it's very easy, especially as a solo entrepreneur to sort of get lost in what you're doing and feel, you know, such pressure that if you don't have anyone around you to sort of um, lean on when you need to, and for them to lean on on you when when they need to, um, you're gonna you're gonna really struggle. So I think that that's the number one key to me being able to do both. Uh, that and obviously time management skills, which I had none of when I was 16, and I've now got pretty good at. But I think the most important thing is the support support mechanism. Um, yeah. Let's go a little bit into that because I think a lot of people and entrepreneurs who listen. They may be saying like, I have a great support system, but maybe they don't. Maybe they chose people that they support, but they don't get support back. Or they have people that actually kind of drag them down. Or you know how it is that when you are down, they are there for you. But as soon as you win, they're getting jealous and they try to pull you down like the crabs in the bucket like if one crab is trying yeah, yeah. to crawl out the others are hanging on them and pulling it back you know they don't want the crab yeah. to eat. so talk me a little bit through the skills the people skills as you call them that you think are super important to cultivate this support systems and how you can evaluate whether or not people have them yeah so I think, well, firstly, you know, it, it takes time. Um, you can't, you can't expect, you know, someone to to open up to you and be vulnerable, you know, to you with you, you know, from day one. So it's it's been with, with my business partners. It, it took it took you know maybe three, four, five, six months of us working together um, to be able to really start opening up to each other. So so yeah, well, time isn't a skill, but it's an essential element of it. I think in terms of people skills, it's a lot around sort of like patience and also compassion and feeling feeling sort of like the room and understanding um, when you should say what, what your business partner or, or person you're, you're with wants to hear or when you should actually be strictly very honest with them. And, and that's 99% of the time you should just be very honest with them anyway. But there's a few times where it's better to sort of like you know they're not at that point yet where they where they're ready to hear the truth and and you need to sort of not lie to them but but sort of embellish it a bit um so um i'd say um i'd say that understanding that and understanding when when your your business partners or, or people you know you share this sort of stuff with need need that support and when and when they need that a bit more of like a you know honesty and sort of tell them you know like this is actually what's happening. You know, what you're, what you're saying is, isn't necessarily valid because of, because of all of these reasons. So you don't need to worry about this, this and that. Uh, and I'd say that is probably the number one skill is just understanding how to, how to feel the room and, and, and understanding what each of the people you're with need at a particular time. Because when you understand that and it reflects in your actions, people will be more inclined to open up to you further. Uh, and usually it's a mutual thing. 
once one person opens up to, to someone, um, it becomes easier for yourself or for the other person to open up. And when you get to that point, it, it's, it's really nice because you don't need to worry about, say, um, and it goes to both ways. So it could be someone is very, you know, um, down and needs support, but it could also be someone's frustrated with you because you've not done something or, or you've, you know, something's happened and it should have been your, it was your responsibility. And you don't need to worry about, oh, they're thinking this of me because I've not done this and I've not done that. Because you know that if that was the case, they would tell you. And that, and that builds a lot of trust um, between um, your the business partners. And, and obviously, you know, it's one of the most important things you can have when, when you're working so closely every day together is, is trust um, with respect to that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Go on. Yeah. Then you said how to evaluate it. Um <laughs> I don't really have sort of like a quantitative way for people to evaluate this, but I think it, it is sort of just if you feel if you feel no doubt in being able to share things with your with people, and they don't need to be your business partner. You know, my girlfriend is the same. Like she's another person I, I share a lot with, and she's she's absolutely terrific in terms of um, supporting me and what I do. I think it's just yeah, if you have no doubt um, and there's no sort of like resent or or um, sort of back afterthought being like, oh, well, will they judge me for this? Or um, will they do, you know, like, oh, do I not want to tell them this because I know something might bad might happen or, or something like that? I think if you get past that point and, and you don't need to fear that, I think that's a nice sign because um, if, you, if, if you did fear that, it would be subconsciously something telling you that you might think that one of them might react in a way that would show that, you know, you've not quite got there in terms of, in terms of building this 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 sort of like a support system between between founders yeah absolutely so at the time of the recording it's may 19th at least here in thailand and we are still kind of trapped at least you're a little bit more trapped than me i can go out we have like restaurants yeah. shops opening up so we're opening up and i'm super grateful for that because i'm sick of my own cooking <laughs> so <laughs> How did all of this kind of change for you in this time where everyone had to work from home, you had to probably move everything remotely? Did the communication change? Did this feeling of trust, What was that something that you had to adjust because you suddenly couldn't sit together anymore with like a coffee or whatever and, and you see yeah. the closeness? So there's, there's definitely micro-interactions missing but i think before i answer that i'll sort of maybe give an idea as to what we were before in terms of remote and and what we are now so i mean beforehand the the founders work work together uh, in the office um almost every day we would have you know sometimes we decide to work um separately um but just just because you know we didn't necessarily want to waste time commuting or anything like that but most days we'd be working together and then we, we'd have um, part of our team working remotely anyway so uh, away from us um in a different country Mm-hmm. as well so yeah in terms of like what we are now obviously everyone's remote uh, including the founders and and i think i think the biggest thing sort of that that's been hard is there's when you're working with someone in the office there's lots of micro interactions that you have with them that sort of help you throughout the day not not only sort of make you more efficient but also um, we know we're, we're building a product so we're building a, a platform and those interactions that the design team has with the engineering team and the Uh, the product team has with marketing and engineering and design, they have little small impacts on your product 
that make a big difference and that we've not been able to have which has been which has been sort of difficult but with that said we do call we do call every monday every wednesday and every friday as a team and we uh, and that's with everyone in the, in the team and other than that we do have a, a you know i'd say at least once or twice a day i i get on a call with either one of the other two founders um to discuss a decision or uh, something in design and um so i, I guess um although it's never going to be as good as working in the office together because there's sort of these things happen without you even thinking and you don't need to think oh is it worth me sending a zoom link and then we can jump on a call and discuss this it's sort of like if you're next to them you'll be like oh hey um what do you think of this um and then you can look at it and comment but what we've lost in that i think we've also increased in sort of efficiency and in output everyone's at home there's no commuting and there's less distractions um, at least for myself and you're able to sort of like completely deep work on on, a, on something for an extended period of time so it's been hard but in it's been hard generally um in terms of like um efficiency in our workspace and a quality of work but i think we've made it work well now in terms of support i don't obviously that there's lots of things from the day to day that that you can't do but there's been a few times where some of us you know have like struggled with sort of like being quarantined this this whole time and and sort of the the quality of uh, the work during that and sort of how to balance how to balance work life in quarantine when when there's not much outside um, to do and i think there's been a few times where we sort of like just got on a call the three of us and sort of like helped each other and discuss through it and you know if one of us is like sort of like struggling with something particular um you know we're um usually within within a day or two they'll send a send a video call and we'll sort of jump on a call and and uh, and just discuss it and uh, and get 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 to somewhere um as a three and that's not changed too much like well when, when the only thing that's changed is those little small interactions that you would have in the office yeah Amazing. Yeah. So you mentioned like the time management and efficiency a few times and you had to chuckle like college graduating, going through all of this university, still being quite young, having this uh, startup that's like growing in a time of everyone being at home locked down. We are running around with masks here. So tell me a little bit about what was like the biggest challenge for you to go from you have no freaking idea about time management to now being actually quite good with it. Um, yeah, what was the biggest challenge? <laughs> the fact that I yeah, I was the most disorganized person you could ever meet. But honestly, I was the most disorganized person you 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 could ever meet going through high school. <laughs> All my friends uh, if they were on here would, would tell you. But it was sort of, it just became a necessity to be honest. Um even so it didn't just happen overnight. So for the first two years of me do, juggling sort of both things i was highly inefficient in in my time management um i was trying to be more efficient but it, it just wouldn't happen i'd have days where i would just completely miss all of university because i wanted to work on on um my uh, on a project um on my project um, at the time which obviously isn't a good thing because then you need to catch up on those university days so it sort of happened gradually i think there's also um there's also sort of like a um there was a, it became a great need um when I, i sort of i used to be um someone who would organize sort of like the marketing campaigns or, or grow instagram accounts which is definitely something that i you know you can do in your own time and and if you're disorganized but you people don't depend on you that much then it's okay because if something doesn't get done in a particular hour you can stay up an extra hour and do it so um that was 
sort of my coping mechanism to start with. But then as uh, as um, Flick emerged and, and became sort of like a, a business, my role became, uh, I'm now, you know, head of products and product management, where I need to sort of determine what the team should be working on and building weeks ahead of time so that it has the time to then be designed and then be built and then released. And with that, what what happened is I had to become more organized because my team depended on it um, and everyone in the company depended on it. If I didn't do the work on time, then I didn't communicate what needed to be what they needed to get their work done. No one, or, or it would be very hard for people to sort of um, uh, um, be able to, to to build things. And with that, I, I basically just, I did two things. Firstly, luckily my girlfriend is probably the most organized person you'd ever meet. So she um, she definitely helps me a lot. And and sort of like even before I needed I needed it, she 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 was already pushing me to be more and more organized. And when you're around someone a lot for a lot of time that is that organized, some of it rubs off. I was very stubborn, so it did take a long time. But uh, eventually, it did start rubbing off um, on me as well. And the second thing is, I just read a lot, a lot, a lot of um, books around product management and. Uh, which those books focused more around what you should build and, and how, how to determine that. But within those books, there were also parts around how to manage your time and the time at the team um, and how to really like plan weeks ahead um, on that. So that was sort of like the first sort of really big change, um, which happened, I, I'd say, around a year ago, where I was then starting to sort of build the roadmaps for our team ahead of time. And at that point, uh, you know, there was no choice. It was like, if I if I'm building this, I need to become organised. And then the second the second sort of like change, and which is where we're at now, is um, we started, you know, having these feedback sessions with our team. Mm-hmm. And we've only done really one sort of like proper feedback session where we sat down and did it, and we did it for the first time a few weeks ago. Well, actually, a couple of months ago now. Um, but but we do have ongoing feedback all the time in terms of like making a process more efficient um, for the team. And that that feedback, you know, uh, I really one of the most important things for me during during the workday was every piece of feedback I get, I really take it to heart and and try to implement it so that you know if someone gives you a piece of feedback, this comes back to this idea of trust. I know that they wouldn't give it if if it wasn't something that really needed to be done. So all the feedback that um that I've got from my more organized team members, more naturally organized team members. Especially Sam, um, he's, um, so he he's um, our head of marketing and design, and he's he's extremely organised um, and always has been. And um, all the pieces of feedback from that, I sort of took under uh, consideration and tried to implement. And bit by bit, week by week, got more and more, more and more organised personally in, in my personal life. So you know, I now have you know to do lists, and I have um, I have in my calendar. I I know that this day I'm going to be working on this side of my job and this other day I'm going to be working on that side of my job. So I know all that's pre-planned. Uh, a year ago, I, I couldn't even dream of, of that happening. I'd probably resist it. If someone could build the whole system for me, I'd still say, I don't want this. But uh, now it's become a really important part part uh, of my life and, and from the personal side, but also from the business side, we've we've come to a point where obviously it's not perfect and there's still a lot of things to improve, but we've come to a point where you know the, the process that we're building and, and we're working off of um, to build Flick has allowed us to sort of every every couple of weeks we we release brand new features to it to our to our users and and if you ask I mean uh, you said you use Flick yourself you you may you may have noticed you know every every couple of weeks there's always something new that's going to be deployed to the 
to to, to flick and, and for that to happen you know it it, it, it if for us to be able to consistently uh, release new features every few weeks there has to be a lot of planning that goes behind it and also a lot of um sort of um, efficient processes that that have been refined over the past 18 months of us working together um to, to get to that point yeah, it's super interesting for me to hear those different perspectives, especially from people who are so crazy or uh, disorganized. Some of my clients who come to me, they're just like you. They're like, oh my God, I'm the most disorganized person you will meet. I'm like, no worries. You're like, <laughs> you're just like the others, you know, it's natural. <laughs> but um, I feel like that, um, like with companies like Flick that are uh, starting out pretty small, but then they're just, growing pretty fast doesn't need to be the team or doesn't need like I don't know any numbers I don't know nothing but I just see like what you're kind of working on you know and how it's progressing so and I've worked in this for like 15 years now so I've been in startups a lot I've been in collaborations and I've grown them with them together like a lot so what happens then is if you and that's super super important if you miss out on building these foundations, you can build this like a card house, but it is like on sand, you know, it's like, just like in Dubai, you build out of, of these houses on sand, but if just like, if there was a huge earthquake or whatever, they would just all fall together like this card house. Maybe not in Dubai, the houses, but you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> foundation is missing, right? And so, um, to have like systems, processes and everything for people that are so disorganized or that cannot really hold their attention for long or they jump between tasks a lot or whatever, or they have like you to chuckle like two so different kind of things like university and flick, for example, right? Then they're always trying to wing it because they feel like it's easier. They feel like it's harder to adapt these systems they resent they're like i don't need planning i don't need a system i don't need to follow that that feels like another chore that feels like washing the dishes and so it feels like force for them but once you integrate it it doesn't have to be a something on top if you integrate it as a lifestyle then i feel like this planning and especially also like planning is the biggest thing it just gives you freedom because once you know what you do when you do it and you just do it it's going to be so much more efficient and it gives you so much time back right and that's exactly what i do with all of my clients with integrating that into their lifestyles not pulling it over like a condom that's too small but just having that like it's yours already you know so i love doing that and it's really nice to hear well i'm really glad that you got a girlfriend that's rubbing off on you is that (laughs) That's amazing. I love it. So we're about to rev it up a little bit. And so I have two more questions that I always ask. So the first thing is, what does efficiency mean to you? That's that's an interesting question. I think to me, efficiency is just making the most of the time you have. So, and that could be whatever you want to do with that time, Uh, whatever you want to do, just make the most of, make the most of it. Yeah. I love that. Second question is, if you had to hit the reset button, but you keep all of the knowledge that you have, which of the three things would you do over and over again to get back to success? That's interesting. I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably start with start with 
yeah, just to start with finding my, my current co-founders somehow. If I had to reset, I would I would definitely find them because <laughs> the knowledge I have of uh, and the way we've cultivated how we work together and how and and how um, how we support each other is something that will be very uh, hard to not impossible but very hard to find um, elsewhere. I think the other thing I do is I definitely start optimizing my my um, organization skill organizational skills a lot earlier. If I could have done that, you know, when first starting uni or even throughout school, um, it might have been a lot easier for me <laughs> than, than what it was. And I think that the last thing I would say is um, cultivating this idea of accountability. We didn't really talk about it, but it's something that sort of has grown with uh, within me within the, for, for over the past four years gradually. And, and at the beginning, you know, of that i was definitely accountable and harsh with myself but sometimes i could be a bit flaky with others and if you know um not necessarily within work but with on on other side of things you know um, i'd say i'd meet someone that i can't until last minute or, or things like that and the knowledge i have now like being accountable for for your actions and and um, and doing what you say you would do um is um it is really really important um uh, to build trust between you and others but also for yourself you, you you respect yourself a lot more when you when you say what you what you're going to do when you do sorry what you what you said you would do rather than just um taking the easy road and and sort of um, not doing it as soon as it's sort of an inconvenience so yeah those three things amen amen to accountability <laughs> to yourself can we say that louder for the ones in the back please <laughs> uh, <laughs> Loic, it was amazing to have you on. Please share with everyone where um, we can find you or Flick or both and what we can find there so people can check it out. All right. So, uh, yeah, you can visit Flick on our website at uh, HTTPS Flick.tech. Uh, we also have an Instagram page uh, um, uh, at Flick.hashtags. Um, and uh, there's a seven-day free trial, so um, feel free feel free to jump onto that. And uh, the team there's, you know, super open um, and re we really love feedback. So if there's anything, you know, you'd, you'd want to see within Flick or anything that's sort of not quite right with the platform at the moment, um, you can always contact our team through our in-app support chat or, or you could contact me um, at loic at flick.tech. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, taking the time and sharing all of the insights. It was amazing. And I hope I'll see you on the hashtag flip site. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for having me. It's been really fun. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned that you too can unlock your ultimate potential, how to control your time, create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at the Monique Lindner. We'll see you next time on Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Remember to slow down to speed up.